Welcome to another episode of Kiddish Club News for Jews. We are in the three weeks. How are you, my friend? We're in the dog days of summer also. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I think the dog days begin in August, though. Oh, do they? <laughs> I think that's a thing. I don't even know what dog days means, but I know that uh, it's hot and humid here in New York, and it's not comfortable. I think all over the world, except South America, I think South America is now experiencing winter. All the way south, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I, I'm, I'm there. I'm there, man. I, I don't like this heat, as I've mentioned many times on this cast. Don't like the heat. So before we get started, we have a shout out to a loyal listener, a young man uh, from Lakewood, New Jersey. His name is Michael Batesh. Michael, we appreciate your loyal listenership, and uh, we thank you for listening. And make sure to tell everybody else about us. Speaking of listenership, by the way, I meant to tell you, like, last episode, you brought up uh, the goat milk, right? That is true. And we got so many emails about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. No, like people just quoting like Chazals and Gemaras. And it was it was unbelievable. Like, we have a very high level listenership out there. That are like quoting Gemaras from Baba Kama to Ksubis to wherever. Yeah. And it's funny because who knew that there was so much uh, activity around goat's milk? <laughs> Not I, I will tell you that. Uh, I saw, you You know, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, so I'm going to spring this on you as I, as I like to do. So our listeners don't know that uh, I do spring a lot on you that you're completely unaware of going into these casts. So you have a general idea of what we're talking about, you know about the news, you know, et cetera, but there's a bunch of stuff that you don't know about. One of them- Lay it on me. Oh, be careful what you say. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? No, I am completely uncertain about what you're going to throw at me right now. Okay, so let me give a disclaimer to our listeners. This episode will go into post-production, and when it does, one of the things we'll do is um, we remove some of the quiet parts, obviously, in addition to the edits. So any quiet parts that will uh, result from the following will be edited out. And I say that in deference to my co-host. So an MIT professor named Shane Frederick in 2005 created something called the Cognitive Reflection Test. And okay. it went viral recently, even though it was made in 2005. Basically, it's three questions that he says answering these three questions, it's basically an IQ test in three simple questions. And I decided that I was going to give it to you. Now, I will tell you this. I took this and I was, of course, you know my personality. I was so nervous. Like, wh what would it mean if I don't get one of these questions? I was so well, what nervous. If I, what if I'm an idiot? Right. What if, what if it, no, I know I'm an idiot, but what if it's provable? Right. <laughs> So I won't tell you how many I got right until you're done. But I'm going to ask you these three live. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here it is. First one. And just just so you know, I'm not going to help you with this. So if you don't get them, it's on you, bro. I feel like you're going to be very, very excited if I <laughs> prove to be a complete uh, fool. Oh, my gosh. Nobody knows how excited I will actually be. <laughs> no, it'll be the best day ever. <laughs> Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, question number one. A bat and a ball costs $1.10 in total. The bat costs $1 more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? 
So I'm not going to answer this like knee jerk as you would probably expect it. Give me the question one more time. This is not a uh, conversation. This is an IQ test. You're not going to get help. You're not going to get so help from me. I have to answer right away. No, no, you can think about it. I can think about it. So give me the question again. Okay. A bat and a ball costs $1.10. The bat costs a dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? I would have to say 10 cents, unless I'm a complete idiot. Is that your final both, answer? Let's 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 just talk this out. Okay. They're a dollar ten, the two of them. Yeah. Let's say the ball is 10 cents. The bat is one dollar more would make the bat a dollar ten. So it's not. So so let's go back a second. <laughs> so first of all, you got that wrong. <laughs> what you, you're saying? It's not a dollar. It's not ten cents. The but ball. you just proved that it's not a ten cents, right? Because if it was a dollar more, it would be a dollar ten. Dollar ten. Yeah, but you're... I'm not a comp- I'm not a complete lost case. Not a complete lost case. Fine. Right, but what is the answer? So what if the if if the answer bat is one, a dollar more? Well, figure it out. You're almost there. That's one dollar more than the ball. So the ball has to cost five cents. Very good. Correct. Uh, by the way, I hope you get rid of those pauses. Of course. That was a little too long, even for me. <laughs> okay, you ready for question two? We're gonna Go. give you that one. It takes five machines, five minutes to make five widgets. How long would it take a hundred machines to make one hundred widgets? Five machines. Five minutes. Five minutes each? No. Five minutes total. It takes five machines, five minutes to make five widgets. How long would it take a hundred machines to make a hundred widgets? So what you want me to answer is a hundred minutes, but I know that that's wrong. No comment. So if it takes those five machines, they're obviously working concurrently. And it, it means that each machine takes five minutes to churn out one of your widgets. So if you want 100 widgets, you're going to have to have 500 minutes. Final answer. Final answer. (laughs) Really? I'm wrong? You're wrong. It would take five minutes. Five machines can make five widgets in five minutes. So just so, so that means each machine, machines. right? Each machine yeah. can make can make it in can make one widget in five minutes. A hundred machines. All right. There you go. Okay. Okay. You're one for two. Fool. You no. You're one for two. You're still. Right. You still can be. Well, I'll give you the results in a minute. So here's your chance to to bring it home. In a lake, there's a patch of lily pads. You with me? I'm still here. Every day, the patch doubles in size. If it takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake, how long would it take for the patch to cover half the lake? So you you clearly want me to answer 24, right? That would be the initial response, which means that that's not the answer. Or is it? Or is it? (laughs) Say it. Just say 24. You know you want to. No. Say it. Say it. I'm not going. That's the lazy man's way out so so give it to me again it's 20 there's this oh i got very confused now yeah this one's a little a little tricky in a lake there's a patch of lily pads every day the patch doubles in size if it takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake how long would it take for the patch to cover half of the lake well if every day it doubles then it's obviously 47 days is that your final answer because yeah. if you got this wrong you then realize <laughs> You're an idiot for life. <laughs> to the world. For no life. Less. To the world. Yeah. Final answer. 47, final answer. Judges? Correct. You got oh. it. 
<laughs> okay, not a total idiot. Not a total idiot. I will say I did get all three correct. Of course, you'll have to take my word for it. Um, on the flip side, if I didn't get all three correct, I would still say I got all three correct. So therefore, you'll never know. Right. <laughs> you, sh- you should have done this with a witness. I know. I really should have. Uh, but shockingly, it said something that in MIT, it said uh, 80% failed to score three out of three. Well, I'm in that 80%. Yeah. 80%. But it said something like in MIT, they only get 2.18, which is basically what you got, right? Because the first one, even though you got it wrong, you got it right after more thought. So that right. means that you kind of were in the right zone. But uh, yeah. So now we know- That I'm not a complete fool. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Also a good time to mention that this episode is sponsored by Bedtime. We've told you about bedtime before. We know that uh, a lot of you have heeded the call. And for those of you that haven't, you need to get a good night's sleep. There's nothing more important than a good night's sleep. (laughs) What are you waiting for? You're going to get 50% off of any new mattress, 50% off retail. What what more do you want? You want it free? Because you're not going to get it free. You're going to get 50% off. And when you mention Kiddush Club, they are going to give you free delivery anywhere in the tri-state area, you're not going to get a better deal. So check them out. Their bedtime, uh, their number is 917-923-3644. Check it out in the show notes. Also check it out in the WhatsApp group. So also, we're happy to say, you know, I feel like this proves that we're like an actual Jewish podcast now. We have a call-in number where you can hear uh, all of our episodes. You don't need internet. You could just call in and you could hear it over the phone. We tested it out. It works well. Uh, The number is going to be included in the show notes and in our WhatsApp. But I'm going to say it right now for those of you who are driving or who don't look at our show notes. It's 605-417-0303. You call in. You have the opportunity to pick the episode. And it just starts playing. It's really uh, convenient. Yeah, it's great for people that don't have the podcast apps. And they just have a phone or a flip phone. Right. No internet. Exactly. So share it. Also make sure to share it with family and friends, especially those who don't have internet. Now let's talk about uh, stuff that's going on in the news. And we're going to lead off. Uh, last episode, uh, we we introduced a new segment and it's called My New Phobia. Yes, I recall. I you recall? Remember. Yes. <laughs> I'm very proud. I'm very proud of, of this new segment. So in in the last segment, it was a story about a roller coaster that as it was going, people on the ride noticed that there was a tremendous crack in one of the supporting pillars. And uh, everyone was okay, but you know, it's definitely scary. Uh, just a follow-up to that, this is not the new phobia, but, but just a follow-up in the news, uh, and this comes on July 4th, a roller coaster at a Wisconsin festival. So now this is one of the roller coasters that, you know, goes upside down as most do. Passengers got stuck hanging upside down for over three hours. Rescuers had to climb up to get everybody out. What would you do in that situation? Well, I I would be fine because I would be passed out long before that three hours. (laughs) I get like, how long could the body last? Like just hanging upside down. Like I imagine people were like probably vomiting off the roller coaster. But again, that's in the first 20 minutes. Yes. Right? You got you, you have to burn another two hours and 40 minutes. What are you doing? Right, right. <laughs> I'm wondering how Hatsala would get up to help me because I clearly would need Hatsala 
And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. But now for this week's new phobia, this came from the New York Post. The Yankees cameraman Pete Stendel suffered an orbital fracture on a throw from Orioles Gunnar Henderson. So he was throwing the ball. He hit a cameraman. He had to be taken out on a stretcher. And we've spoken about this before. And that's why that's why I said this is definitely my new phobia. Because I've mentioned that when I'm at baseball games, when I see that ball hit and everyone's jumping up to catch it, I'm covering my head and I'm putting my head between my legs. <laughs> I don't need a 110-mile-an-hour ball coming straight at my face. You're the only one that looks like he's like in the middle of a plane crash. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this is my new phobia. No baseball games. Or if I go to a baseball game, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wear like what are the um, what the catcher in baseball wears. You know that that thing over his face, that, that mask, cage. that cage like thing. A, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to wear that. So any of our listeners, but, if you're if you're watching a game, you see a guy in the crowd wearing the cage over his face. You know who it <laughs> that's is. Him. It's me. <laughs> now wait. But the cameraman has to know that, like, that is one of the risks of the job. I, I don't, I, in all honesty, I mean, I don't think this happens too often. I mean, it's, I guess it's rare enough that when it does happen, it makes national news, you know? Right. And so, I, but, but still, it, look, when these balls go flying, it, it, it's a little scary. No, you, no, you never, you never, you were never scared. I, I mean, I don't even think it ever like went in my direction. I do pay attention, but I'm just imagining the poor camera guy, like, he was probably focused on the camera and the ball's coming, coming, coming. <laughs> and he sees, and he sees it, 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 sees it in the camera. <laughs> and then by, by, by the time he's like, wait a second, like, is something wrong with my camera? This ball's way too close. He peeks out and wham. I would love to see the uh, the video, if they have it, of the whole thing, right? Like what he was take what he was taking a, a video of. I'd love to see it because we'll, we'll. There has to be another angle somewhere out there. No, I want to see his with the ball coming straight to the oh, camera. Saying, right, right. They probably have that footage. <laughs> well, they haven't released it, but I definitely, if they do, we will come back to you. So, um, yeah, that's a new phobia. Okay, let's move on. So, as we know, last week was July 4th, 4th of July, Independence Day for the United States of America. Fun day, happy day, right? Uh, not everybody was happy. Not everybody was happy about it, specifically Ben and Jerry's. And I know you've seen this uh, article about what Ben and Jerry's tweeted on the 4th of July. I saw that they're not happy about July 4th because apparently the United States was founded on land indigenous to other people. Exactly. So I'll read you the exact tweet. They posted a picture and it says, the United States was founded on stolen indigenous land. This 4th of July, let's commit to returning it. With a little hand holding up a sign that says, this is stolen land. Now, Ben and Jerry's got tremendous pushback from this. A lot of, you know, patriot of Americans were not happy about this, but I'll tell you who was happy about this. And that was an indigenous tribe located in Vermont, where Ben and Jerry's is based. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me Hagen does. <laughs> <laughs> so this this indigenous land, the chief of this indigenous land, basically came out and said, "Oh, Ben and Jerry's, we agree with you 100. percent Your headquarters are actually located on indigenous land, and we'd love to have that land back. Please, let's have a conversation." <laughs> really you know yes. I, I love that because it just it, it hits them right between the eyes exactly exactly you want to you want to play stupid games you'll win stupid prizes 
They also, they're calling for Mount Rushmore to be given back and, you know, the president's taken off of Mount Rushmore. The whole thing is, look, was it indigenous land? Yes, it was. At this point, does anyone think the land, the United States is going to cease to exist and it's all going to go back to indigenous peoples? Obviously not. So what's the point with that tweet? And at least acknowledge in the tweet that America has been the freest country in the world, uh, you know, a, a country that that really stands for good in the world, at least say something like that and not just the the parroting these 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 crazy extreme left uh, ideas. Wouldn't it be crazy, though, if it happened and, and because of Ben and Jerry, like imagine this whole movement began and then you're reading in the Native American history books how we we recovered the United States of America because of an ice cream company. <laughs> I mean, it's just so absurd. Unfortunately, Ben and Jerry are both Jewish. So it's once again, you know, it, it, it's extra hurtful to me, you know. Um, Listen, but, we, we bring you the best of the best and sometimes the worst of the worst. True. And by the way, a lot going on with Twitter this week. Uh, as you know, uh, F- Facebook parent company Meta released a Twitter rival called Threads. And in very short amount of time, they got millions of people joining Threads. Uh, Elon Musk has threatened them with a lawsuit because he said that they hired ex-Twitter people specifically to make a copycat app. Uh, and, you know, obviously one of the one of the first things that has happened on threads is, or let's just say the platform itself is much more censored and much more moderated than Twitter has been since Elon Musk took over, which is making uh, some people on the political left very happy because they've been very unhappy with how Musk has been running Twitter. But well, just to just to qualify a couple of things that you're saying, it's not a couple million people. It's f- way over a hundred million people. Well, I don't know if it's way over. The last time I saw was one hundred. That was the number I that, saw. That is a lot of people. Yeah, but you know what? That's just because it just launched. Everybody installs it to see. Oh well, what is this about? It doesn't mean they're necessarily. You know, it doesn't mean they're necessarily really a, a full active user. I agree with you. I, Kiddush Club is on Threads. But I don't see much happening. Like it just—I can't see it taking off. Like, why would you go to Threads? You have Twitter, like, right? Why would you? Well, the only reason you would is because you know you want more censorship. You want you want to not be able to say stuff. Like, why would you? Well, no. First of all, because you have it in for Elon Musk, and you don't you want him to fail. And we'll talk about Elon Musk in a moment. But but that uh, never works. I'm just telling you, revenge apps—they don't work. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, but. I mean, it's not, but it's not just some random company doing it like, like with, um, like Truth Social. Exactly. This is Meta and they own Instagram and WhatsApp. Hold on. Let me just, can I just say something about Truth? It's the only, like, Trump is the only person that's tweeting on that. Yes. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, he would, he's going to, he, they should just change its name to Trump. Trump Social. Trump Social. I think they would do better. No? He would reach so many more people if he would just grow up and go back to Twitter. Yeah, but that would also be the death of Truth Social. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is the truth. Yeah, there's there's no way. There's no way he could do it. Um, and uh, I'll tell you who, who is actually also unhappy and calling out threads. And that is Anas Haqqani, a senior Taliban official. <laughs> what, <laughs> I'm not what, making this up. Whoa, I'm not making this up. What's his issue? What is his issue? No, he tweeted in support of Elon Musk and in support of Twitter 
Because, and I'll, I'll read to you his quote, the first advantage of Twitter is freedom of expression. The second is the public nature and credibility of Twitter. Twitter doesn't have the intolerant politics of Meta. Other p- platforms can't replace it. And this is coming from the Taliban. Like, these are not exactly experts in free speech. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a good point. Very valid point. Oh, no, there's free speech in Afghanistan with the Taliban. You could say whatever you want. You just might disappear after you say it. Every time we post on the threads about the kidnapping, they remove it. How are we supposed supposed to do business? (laughs) So so, uh, in all seriousness, uh, I mean, I'm a a fan of the fact that, uh, I mean, I know the risks, but I do like that Twitter is more open because I, I do feel like uh, beforehand, there was a silencing of a specific segment of people. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, anytime anything is censored, you always have to worry about who is doing the censoring, right? It always comes down to that guy or that group or that philosophy. And I found it amazing, though. I found it amazing that months later, they uncovered code that was shadow banning people. Yes. Yes. That's and like it took them a while to find like buried in the code of the website that they're shadow banning different voices. Yes. And, I, and they were doing appalling. it for a long time. They were doing it for a long time. And um, yeah, so so definitely I, I'm with the Taliban on this one. <laughs> <laughs> that Now there's words I never thought I'd hear from you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and also, I mean, the truth of the matter is it's actually crazy that, you know, that, that, so many people hate Elon Musk so much when he's just done so many amazing things and he's had so much success. I mean, SpaceX even had something uh, on July 10th, they set a new record because they 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 now have over 4,000 satellites for their Starlink service. And that's the service that is helping Ukraine fight Russia, right? Because it's providing internet to every corner of the globe. And the reason they're able to do it is because Elon Musk had a vision, and the vision was, he said it in 2015, he said the reason why we can't do a lot in space is because it's too expensive to get satellites into space. But if we had a reusable vehicle that could be reused, it brings the cost of getting things into space down by a a factor of 100. And he did it. He made a reusable rocket, the reusable Falcon rocket. And because of that, They've had extreme success, and we've, and he's been able to get so many things, so many satellites into space. It's really amazing. And people still hate him. Yes. It doesn't matter and what you know, he does. You know who those people are? It's a type. It's like, oh, I could have did that, like, or I should have been the one to do it. Right. Those are the people that like hate him because they feel like they could have or they should have or they would have. All the armchair quarterbacks who think that they could do it better, they could. If you could do it better or you would have done it better, you would have done it. And you would be Elon Musk and you would be the richest man in the world. But you're not. So get over it and give the guy kudos. Just one interesting thing. I always love, like very often you go into the articles, deeper into the articles, and you find that little gem, you know? So this article was interesting, whatever, SpaceX, they, you know, they had this milestone. Um, but one thing <laughs> that caught my eye was in their latest launch, the Falcon 9 rocket, when it came back to Earth, and it's pretty amazing. If you've never seen a video, we'll include one in the WhatsApp. Watching the rocket come down, it's precision, right? It comes down and it lands gently onto, in the middle of the ocean, on a boat that's waiting there to retrieve it. The amount of technology and precision that it takes to do that is is mind-boggling. So it says in the article, 
The booster landed safely on the deck of the ship called Just Read the Instructions. Less than the 10 ship minutes is after takeoff. Yes. The ship, you know, like they call that, you know, all the ships have, have names. The ship is called Just Read the yes. Instructions. I thought that very was interesting. very cute. And also I saw uh, an intro, I guess a concerning article. Uh, and this one involves the United States and India. So I actually have good news and bad news for the Indians. Okay. Give it to me. <laughs> I'm, I am ready. Okay. The good news is that India is set to overtake the United States and become the world's second largest economy. Great news, right? We will have extra curry tonight. <laughs> what is what is the bad news? Oh, so the bad news is it's not going to happen until 2075. <laughs> <laughs> okay, extra curry, but not tonight. <laughs> we will wait on it, right? <laughs> So obviously, India is an emerging market. We we covered in the last episode how Germany is trying to woo Indians to Germany, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty serious stuff. But I'm going to say I'm a little shocked. I mean, I know they're a huge, huge country, right? But you you don't think that they're going to lead the world economy? Like I don't see that happening. I hear that, but think about how many people there are and how much is emerging. Just by the law of statistics and the law of averages, it stands to reason that so much is going to come out of the country over the next how many years, you know, like they, they have five times the population. You it's, know? it's very funny. It's very funny to me that you are now giving me the same reasoning that you rejected from me. In the, in, in <laughs> was, the last episode. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to catch it. <laughs> I mean... I, it cannot be more clear. No, but I the, told you there's no, no, no. so there's, there's 1. a difference. Four billion no, people. No, there's a huge difference. Huge difference. Difference number one: India is not an authoritarian, totalitarian dictatorship. That's number one. Uh, okay. Number two: there's capitalism in India. So all of the capitalism capitalism is a major driver of innovation. So that's one of the problems of China. And that's why all of the innovation, not all, but a huge chunk of innovation comes out of the United States. But if India does continue on this path, there's no reason to assume, listen, we know they have a lot of computer programmers, right? <laughs> that yes. much is, is clear. So it stands- Computer programmers and scammers. Yes. And cows, by the way. That's right. <laughs> a lot of cows. And uh, I saw this article, and, and you know that uh, I'm a fighter jet geek. Uh, and I saw this article, and you know this obviously touches on Israel also. So it even it really caught my eye. Uh, so as you know, Russia has been playing games with American drones, right? We, we a while back we actually posted video. We spoke about how a Russian uh, jet was uh, trying to down uh, American drone. They were they were shooting flares, and then eventually uh, the the jet actually clipped the American drone, and it caused it to to go down. Uh, so Russia has done this three consecutive days. They've been playing games with American drones. And uh, I guess the uh, the White House finally decided, yeah, we've had enough. And so- Now, where is this happening? Is it in Russia? So yeah, th this has been happening around Ukraine. And uh, so the United States decided we've had enough of this. We've had enough of these games. We're the most advanced country in the world, the most advanced militarily. As we've mentioned before on the podcast, my favorite fighter jet is the F-22 Raptor, which is insanely advanced. It's considered a fifth-generation 
uh, fighter jet. And so America is sending their F-22 Raptors to the area. Now, uh, one of the, so this article talks about how in 2012, a bunch of Iranian fighter jets were harassing a drone around Syria. So now imagine this fighter jet starts releasing flares and, you know, doing similar things in front of this drone. The F-22 was able to get right under, fly right under the Iranian fighter jet, which was an Su-25 Frogfoot. That's what it's called. Completely undetected. <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> A frogfoot, yes. <laughs> so it completely could not detect the F-22. They pulled up right under one of these Su-25s, couldn't see the F-22. He checked out the weapons that were on the jet. Then he made himself visible to the pilot and told the pilot, I think you ought to get out of here. So he bullied him right back. Oh, yes. And of course, they disengaged right away. That, to me, is just awesome. It's like the big brother showing up on the playground, right? Yes. <laughs> you've, you've been bullying my little brother. Why don't you beat it? Yeah, but it's even better. It's like when the big brother shows up and he's standing behind the bully, and the bully has no idea, and he's bullying the little brother, and the big brother's standing right behind him with a big smile. Taps him on the shoulder. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. And speaking of the Middle East, uh, unfortunately, uh, sad news here is that there was an Israeli woman who was kidnapped in Iraq. And we, you know, many believe, we covered in the last episode, how the Mossad kidnapped an Iranian from inside Iran. So now many believe that this Israeli woman that was kidnapped in Iraq on behalf of Iran by a, a, a militant group, terrorist group, that is basically a proxy for Iran, they believe they kidnapped the Israelis so that there can be uh, a prisoner exchange between the Iranian and, and the Jewish-Israeli woman. Uh, and of all people, Moscow is mediating uh, the transfer. This is like a head-scratcher. Like, why would Israel agree to that? Like, I know that Iran and, and, and Moscow get along. They're friends. No, well, Israel and Moscow are friends, too. Remember, that's why Israel wasn't really helping Ukraine when Zelensky called out Israel and said, why don't you help us? It's because Israel and Russia have a very good relationship. Okay, so there, there you have it. So they are really the perfect middleman. Exactly. The whole Jewish world really re praying for her safe return. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, according to the articles, uh, this is coming from Yeshiva World, um, she was warned not to go repeatedly. And uh, if I remember correctly, she has a joint Ukrainian Israeli, she has two passports. She's a joint uh, Ukrainian-Israeli citizen. And I believe she entered Iraq using her Ukrainian or Russian passport uh, because you, an Israeli can't actually get into Iraq with an Israeli passport. But uh, if somebody tells you not to go to Iraq, it's usually yeah. good advice. Yeah. Especially if you're it's, Jewish. It's, especially if you can't even enter with your Israeli passport. Right. Right. Like, what would they do? Do they send you home? What, what, like, you're here already. I think ideally they send you home, right? That's the ideal. I guess that's best, that's best case scenario. Best case probably, scenario. Like, we're doing this for your safety, <laughs> sir. Yeah, yeah, and which is which is how it is in Israel, right? We covered this on the guest before. I mentioned a friend of mine who accidentally uh, entered the uh, occupied territories, ignoring the warnings and the signs that say, do not enter. If you are Israeli, you will be killed. And uh, he entered by mistake. His ways went out. Go. Go listen to the old episode, but I don't even remember this story. How about that? Really? You want me to say Did it again? Say it? I think you should say it again. 
So he's actually a listener. I think he's out there listening right now. Uh, Ari, uh, yeah, this is about you. He was uh, he was going. He, he's an avid uh, bicyclist, and he was driving coming back from I forgot where with a friend of his, two separate cars, and his ways went out. Uh, we definitely covered this, but to make a long story short, he he thought he was driving around the occupied territory, even though there were signs telling him not to enter. He thought that he had more time before he actually entered. So the next thing he knew, his car was surrounded by uh, a group of Arabs who were trying to open his doors. Uh, he had his bike attached on the back of the car, but it was locked with a lock, so they couldn't pull it off. They were trying to pull it off. They were harassing him, telling him to open the window. Uh, he wasn't wearing a yarmulke, Bar Hashem, and he was saying, I'm an American. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't speak Arabic. And obviously that wasn't true. He's Jewish. He does speak Hebrew. Right. He's uh, they were probably they were probably pretty convincing. Like opens the window. We just want to talk. We, just, we, just... <laughs> we have baklava for you. <laughs> we just want to have conversation. Don't worry, we're just excited to see you. That's what this is. We have tea for you. We have tea for you. <laughs> Thank goodness he didn't. Thank goodness he didn't buy that. Yeah, he didn't buy. It. He didn't open the window. Uh, luckily, he saw some Palestinian police policemen. He made his way to them, inching, you know, without running anyone over, inching to them because he was surrounded. Uh, and they they were they basically uh, quasi arrested him. They had to call the IDF to come get him out. Oh my gosh, what a story! Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy, pretty crazy. So yeah, don't go where they tell you not to. <laughs> We're glad you're safe, Ari. Yeah, Ari's safe. So also coming out of Israel, uh, Bnei Barakman was indicted for employing the terrorist who injured a student last week. So this guy, basically, he hired uh, a Palestinian who was an illegal alien, right, in Israel. Something that Americans do all the time. We hire illegal aliens, right? But in Israel, what happened was he hired this uh, illegal alien Palestinian. He found him lodging. And this guy ended up being a terrorist. So now, once he did this act of terrorism, the Israelis investigated and they found that he was only able to accomplish what he did because he was being harbored by this Bnei Brak resident. So I feel like that's always um, a risk that, that people are taking when they're hiring Palestinian people that do live in Israel, right? They live in Israel proper. They're Israeli Arabs. Well, no. Th so this guy actually lives in Jenin. Which is, uh, by the way, that's a red flag right there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, it's a hotbed for terrorists. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. And then so so it's no wonder that he got in trouble, right? Right. So so I mean to me it, it, the interesting thing was that Bnebrak, you know, a 68-year-old man from Bnebrak was harboring a terrorist. Like the right. whole and thing he, my my imagination started running wild. And no, and he probably was brought in for questioning and it was like uh, uh, he told me his name was Moshe. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was Israeli. I don't know he's uh, Arab. And then <laughs> probably his Arab friend is like, what are you talking about? You called me Abdullah you, the whole time. You <laughs> just, uh, you called me Abdullah the whole time. You never called me that Moshe. Uh, so uh, the next time I'm in Israel and I'm in a cab with you, if that should happen, and we look at the driver's name and it's Abdullah, and you see me no, start to big... sweat. <laughs> you know, natives could know off the bat who's Israeli, who's Arab. But like if you're a tourist, you don't really know. And some of these guys have really good Hebrew. Yes, absolutely. But but you could tell. 
you could tell from the Hebrew that it's that's not... what that's what the locals say. You could tell. No, but I, again, you could if... tell. You could you could tell. You've when you hear a Palestinian speaking Hebrew, you can you can instantly no, tell. Yes, I can tell. It's but too, if you're a tourist, it has and you an don't edge know Hebrew. to it. It has an edge to it. I can't explain yes. it. Right? Yeah. If you're a complete but, tourist and you don't speak fluent Hebrew, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to figure it out. Sometimes you pull over a cab and like, what do you even do if you, let's say you did recognize that it's an Arab. What do you say? Like, no, thanks. Like, you, I haven't been to Israel in, in ages. You say, uh, oh, I forgot my, my bag is in the hotel room. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll catch the next one. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was your name? Abdullah. Oh, no, no. I'll catch the next one. I, my, I left my bag. You in know, the... you know what? I'm not feeling like going to the coastal right now. <laughs> Uh, also, speaking of Israel, I mean, Jews keep popping up in the middle of like the biggest stories in the world. So, you know, there's a, there's a whole investigation going on into uh, the Biden family and the corruption, corruption, getting money from China, getting money from uh, Ukraine. You know, we know all of that. We've covered it. Uh, so there was a whistleblower who was supposed to be giving testimony and he vanished. He surprisingly popped up. Uh, and this happened on July 5th, actually. Uh, and I actually have a video. I'm going to play you a little bit of what he had to say. It turns out this guy, the missing whistleblower, the missing witness, I should say, is Israeli professor Dr. Gal Luft. Good day. My name is Dr. Gal Luft. For the past 20 years, I have been the co-director of the Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, a Washington-based think tank focused on energy security. For the past 15 years, I've been a resident of Israel, and for four years, I was senior advisor to the China energy company CFC, at the same time of its dealings with the Biden family. Under normal circumstances, I would be testifying before Congress about my experience with CFC. Sadly, due to circumstances I shall describe here in this video, uh, I am forced to tell you this story via video. I want to be clear, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the DOJ's uh, cover-up, this is exactly what happened. So the video is 14 minutes, we only played you a little bit of it. Uh, he is a former Israeli army of officer. He claims he was arrested in, in Cyprus to prevent him from testifying to the House Oversight Committee that the Biden family received payments from people with alleged ties to Chinese military intelligence and that they had an FBI mole who sh shared classified information with their benefactors from the China-controlled energy company, CEFC. So he's basically saying they're trying to take me out and he is now on the run. Nobody knows where he is. Well, at least he surfaced, so we know he's in one piece. He's alive, yeah. And I, I think, if I remember correctly, he's uh, he's also a wealthy guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, he does have the means to make himself, you know, vanish. Vanish. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Money, money is a key component in uh, in vanishing. Yes, and then uh, also coming out of Israel, and this was a nice story. This came from Yeshiva World. We mentioned, I think it was uh, two episodes ago, about the uh, the Frum guy who was on the bus and he got accosted by uh, by a woman, by an Israeli woman, who you know said you should go to the army, and it turns out he was in the army anyway. So the secular TV host, uh, in in light of a lot of the, 
I mean, I guess there's no other way to say it. The anti-Semitism that's going on in Israel towards some of the religious people in Israel, a, a, a completely secular TV host had a Chabad rabbi come on and put tefillin on him. And uh, we're going to include that video as well. Here's a little of what it sounded like. I hope you understand Hebrew. <laughs> ולדבר על הפעולה והמצווה החשובה הזאת, היא גאים. ואם בעיניכם זה מוזר, תתמודדו. מדינת ישראל היא מקום מוזר, מד... מקום של יהודים. תתמודדו, וזה לא הולך להשתנות. למעשה, זה הולך רק להשתפר, ורק להעמיק, ורק להיות יותר ויותר ויותר יהודי. אז תתמודדו. כבוד הרב, תעזור לי להניח תפילין, ואתם תסתכלו בבקשה. תודה רבה. בשמחה. So just to translate some of what he says, uh... He says, I want to say to you, you who may see this show and want to mock it, I want to tell you that we here on Channel 14 are proud to be Mekadashem Shemayim, proud to put on tefillin on the show, proud to invite the Rav to speak about this important mitzvah. And if you think it's strange, deal with it. The state of Israel is a place for Jews. Deal with it. I love it. Amazing, right? Channel 14 all the way. <laughs> but speaking about Kiddush Hashem, uh, did you see that viral video? Uh, from that French YouTuber? Is he, he, he's a YouTuber, right? Yes, yes, of course I saw it. I mean, that was everywhere. It went everywhere. I, mean, I don't know if it made like any national news, but it went viral, that's for sure. I must have got oh, it from I got this, 30 people. Yeah. yeah, I got this video 100 times. He calls these videos social experiments, but I, I think that nothing more than just like prank videos. But he, in this video, he doused himself with gasoline and he's like slowly reaching for his lighter so that he could light himself on fire and waiting to see if anybody is going to step in and, and save him from this. And nobody's moving. Finally, a Jewish kid runs over and smacks the lighter out of his hand and sits him down like on the steps and actually has a heart-to-heart conversation with him. Right. Beautiful. So I thought that was, that was tremendous. I have to be honest, when I first saw it, I thought the whole thing was set up, was staged. Um, but I guess when it goes that viral, it must have been real. I mean, he does hundreds of such quote unquote social experiments. Right. And sees like who's going to step up in, in a public forum. And I have a question for you. If you saw this, would you get involved? I absolutely would not get involved. First of all, <laughs> the fact that he's walking around France in a yarmulke, no, I'm out. I'm not wearing a yarmulke walking around France. Not safe. No, I, I'm I'm kidding. I, I mean, I, I'd like to think I would. You know, in the heat of the moment, would I actually do it? I'm not so sure. Just because you never know. You never know. I mean, you never know. Is this a prank? Is is this a terrorist? You know, we live in a in a world where everyone and everything is suspect. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Like, would I? actually get involved like here's a man walking around with a jerry can filled with gasoline and he's dousing himself like in a public area i don't Do you know think i think it was I really run. gasoline though i doubt it because you know he did have a lighter it was right. probably not gasoline but that's what it seemed that's what you would think if you were you were watching it right but gasoline has a tremendous smell it gives off a huge smell so you would think that maybe this jewish guy did he smell it? Did he not smell it? You know what I'm saying? You could smell gasoline from, you know, a couple feet away. Ah. 
You didn't think of that, huh? Well, I don't know what there's to think about. The question is, would you get involved or not? And I think I would run the other way. I kind of think the same, unfortunately, just because the world is too dangerous right now for Jews. Yeah. Well, which makes it a very brave thing that this guy did. Yeah. Kudos to him. And we're running out of time, but I I did want to get to this one story. So a Mexican mayor was in the news because he got married to a reptile. Uh, it was a it was a caiman, which is like it looks like a little crocodile. So the I, 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 whoa 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 you're jumping <laughs> to describing the animal, but I, if I didn't mistake it, you said that the mayor of the town got married to a reptile. Yes, Did and I catch he could that? not be happier. I wonder how the reptile feels though. <laughs> well, Victor Hugo Sosa, mayor of San Pedro Guamalula, he says they're very happy. So I'll, I'll read you from the article. Sosa swore to be true what local lore calls the princess girl. That's the Cayman. Quote, I accept responsibility because we love each other. That is what is important. You can't have a marriage without love. I yield to marriage with the princess girl, Sosa said during the ritual. I'm just wondering how the the reptile like accepts the vows. But also, I think they reported that he said to the crowd, before you all judge me, You should know this is my second wife. (laughs) My first wife is uh, the kitty cat. (laughs) Call her Maria. (laughs) So I should mention that this whole thing was a ritual and it's been going on for 230 years. He's not actually marrying the Cayman. I mean, he's he's actually marrying the Cayman, but they're doing this because they believe there's some sort of a Vaidazara that they believe that it brings them luck. Oh, so that's a game changer. I thought he was like just I know. Off, his, off his rocker. I know. I know. It's much more fun that way. If you say so. And don't forget, people, to check out and share our hotline. The number is 605-417-0303. You could listen to all of our casts, share with a friend and a family member, especially those people who don't have internet. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with someone that you think would enjoy it. Of course, you know you can follow us on social. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Follow us there. You can also reach out to us by email. It's hock, H-O-C-K, at kiddishclubpodcast.com. And you can support the cast by visiting us at buymeacoffee.com slash kiddishclub. The link is in the show notes. And we are out. But meta, meta, threads. Threads. Just use threads. Every time we post on threads. I always knew it. The whole time I knew. All the time. Right? Everybody doubt me, but I knew the whole time, right? I already said just conversation, right? Yeah. So we have that. You're beeping, but I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) Oh, you hear the beeps now. Oh, now you hear the beeps. (laughs) Sign behind you. You Come don't on. see it on Hello, it. do it. Let's end I'm this. I'm trying to get into it. Give me a second. Dame un momento, por favor. Dios. My God, all this pressure. Um. <clears throat> and this episode is copyright Kiddish Club Media.